Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Matthew chapter 13, where I'm going to start in verse 1, where it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop of a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Then Jesus said a couple verses later, starting in verse 18, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now we've been talking about the calling of every believer to be a minister and as such, a servant, one who has offered themselves to God and is committed to taking the posture of an under-rower to help others get to their destination of spiritual maturity and to fulfill the purpose for which they've been created. Now, we've all experienced and have encountered others who have experienced what seems to be a ceiling, a barrier that blocks their spiritual growth, where it seems... They just can't get past a certain point in their walk with Christ or past a certain pattern of sin or past a wrong way of thinking that results in actions that don't align with the scriptural pattern of righteousness that leads to life and should be the norm among those who call themselves Christ followers. Now, we often don't talk about spiritual warfare on a personal level, but the Bible does, and it's absolutely crucial for us to know how to engage in spiritual warfare in such a way as to become free from bondages that result from sin, deceptions, and strongholds. Much of what I'm going to share over the next couple podcasts is taken from Neil Anderson's book, The Bondage Breaker. I found this book to be a valuable resource over many years in ministry. The Steps to Freedom in Christ, found in the back of the book, leads people through a process of deep repentance and renunciation of sin, bondages, deceptions, 
and strongholds by confronting the enemy's lies with truth, truth from God's word, and appropriating by faith all that is ours in Christ so that everything that is part of our inheritance in Christ as children of God positionally will become part of our experience in Christ practically. Because what happens too often is that we become confused and even disillusioned when that which we see promised in Christ in the scriptures doesn't in any way match our practical experience as Christians. As we see in this parable, there are many things that can short-circuit our spiritual growth. Jesus lists many in this parable. Satan, it says, snatches some seed before it can even sprout. That's why we intercede for the lost, by binding the enemy and loosing the Holy Spirit to draw people to himself. But Jesus also lists troubles and persecutions, the worries of life, and the deceitfulness of wealth as forces that render people unfruitful, which means that their life then has no spiritual impact and their actions have no eternal value. I know I don't want those to be characteristics of my life. So whether there be spiritual bondages from the enemy that are the consequences of sinful practices or strongholds of the mind brought about through believing the enemy's lies and deceptions, we need to know God's solution so we can be those people who produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, that our lives would reflect Christ's love and glory and be beachheads of Christ's reign where his will is done on earth. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are told here to put on the full armor of God, to stand firm against the spiritual forces of wickedness in this world. We do this by faith. Faith is an action that is an obedience to God's word. Faith is not passive. This is important to understand because there are consequences if we don't put on the armor. For instance, when Romans 13, 14 tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts, we have to ask ourselves, what if I don't put on the Lord Jesus Christ? What if I do make provision for my flesh? When we're told in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What if we don't? When James 4, 7 says to submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, what if I don't? Can we be spiritually passive without suffering any spiritual consequences? Do we believe scripture teaches that Satan won't take advantage of our apathy or our sin? If a believer believes the devil's accusations, gives in to temptation, and believes his lies, does that mean he or she is demon-possessed? No. But that person is likely defeated, unfruitful, stagnant in terms of spiritual growth, and enslaved to sin. 
If we don't understand our vulnerability to spiritual attack, we won't repent and believe the truth. Proverbs 28.13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Remember the third and fourth paradigms of transformation, that repentance and forgiveness position us to experience God's transforming power, while sin and unforgiveness are the primary roadblocks. And the kingdom of God is established where Satan's dominion is renounced, his jurisdiction voided through the blood of Christ, and Jesus is invited to occupy and reign as Lord. The Bible says, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And even though Satan is defeated, he still rules this world through a hierarchy of demons who tempt, accuse, and deceive those who fail to put on the armor of God and stand firm in their faith. Our sanctuary is our identity and position in Christ. And we have all the protection and power we need to live a victorious life. But if we fail to assume our responsibility by exercising faith and then give ground to Satan, we will suffer the consequences of our sinful actions and attitudes. The good news is that we can repent and reclaim all that we have in Christ in order to experience the freedom and fruitful life God desires for each one of us. Power for the believer comes in knowing and choosing the truth. John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth. Our victory is rooted in the truth of what Christ accomplished on the cross on our behalf. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has triumphed over and disarmed the rulers and authorities of the kingdom of darkness. All authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Affirming the truth of Christ's victory and Satan's defeat is a key step towards successfully standing against the enemy's attacks. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. I now reside in Christ and am seated with him in the heavenly places. With that position comes Christ's authority to resist the devil and experience what it truly means to be free in Christ. Freedom in Christ is our inheritance as believers. I was reminded this week that for every verse that says Christ is in you, there are in fact many more that say you are in Christ. To resist the devil, I must appropriate my identity, position, and authority in Christ. We don't defeat the devil. He is already defeated. But to experience the victory which is mine in Christ, I must exercise faith through repentance and believing and declaring the truth which sets me free. Nobody can do that for me. Nobody can repent and renounce sinful practices for me. Nobody can put on the full armor of God for me or believe the truth or forgive those who have hurt me or take every thought captive for me. We each must submit ourselves to God and resist the devil. Today, let's take time to do just that. God has sown the seed of the word in your heart. Let each one of us allow God to till that soil 
so that we might experience all that he desires for each of us, a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Amen.